Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hey guys, so just a quick overview here on Panthera Advisors, as I think it might be of value to you. So Panthera Advisors exist in order to help founders that are in the process of raising capital or get their company acquired. I actually started the company out of incredible frustration because during my entrepreneurial journey, which involved building, financing, scaling, and exiting companies, I could not find a resource that was founder-friendly and I could not get the type of support that I was seeking. So as a result, I made a ton of mistakes along the way. So if you're looking to raise capital, or you are looking to get your company acquired, or just need some sound financial planning, and you're looking to get the best possible outcome in the shortest period of time, feel free to learn more by visiting us at pantheraadvisors.com, or just reach out directly and shoot me a note at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Deal Maker Show. So today we have an entrepreneur from Israel. I think that he's going to teach us a thing or two about the hyper growth mode, about building and scaling companies, and also, you know, like uh, exiting them. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest today, Ido Susan. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you for the opportunity to be with you. So originally born in in startup nation in Israel. So how was life growing up there? It's hot, you know, Israel is desert. But uh, as you know, um, the technology and innovation coming out for here. So we love our country and we try to do the best. That's amazing. And and you actually started very early to develop this law for computer and electronics. How how did that happen? Um, I start, uh, you know, part of the high school. I, I always like uh, to work with computers and um, to play with that and to do things. And uh, then I decide that uh, I want to do it in the high school as well. And I was continue it uh, up after the army until I'm doing I'm dealing with this today. Wow, really cool problem solving, you know, as well. No, that's uh, the the engineering and. And one of the big problems, you know, was uh, also going to the army. I mean, someone, some people may see it as a problem. Some other may see it as an advantage. How was the, the, the experience for you of going to the army? In Israel, it's mandatory. So it's not really give you any choice. Um, and, uh, but, you know, in Israel, you're getting um, the beautiful in Israel that they selecting or screening the entire population, and they choosing um, the people that can fit to the intelligence unit. So for me, it was amazing journey because I got all the tools and I got experience that I was never was able to get outside. Um, and you know, once you finish and you complete your four years of uh, mandatory army, you really ready already deal with huge system with huge operation. And to be honest, this is my best experience, and uh, it really helped me to succeed um, um, in the life after the army. So, if I will summarize summarize it, it was amazing January and uh, amazing school for me. And uh, what would you say? You know, when we're thinking about this being as a as a school and, and lessons that that you learned, you know, what what were some of those? So yes, um, you know, after. Uh, 
Um, I left the army. I, I was um, I started I started to learn in one of the universities in Israel, computer and science. And after a few months, I decide that I'm I'm don't get me wrong, but I decide that I'm wasting my time. And because I got all the tools and all the knowledge in 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 the army as part of the army, so I just jump and try to my like as you said before. Um, to go and to solve big problems or big uh, challenges and to create my first company that's called Intusurf. Very nice. So let's talk about uh, this first company. So how, how did you come up with the idea? How did the um, incubation process uh, go? So the objective in the beginning, we create a company to create um, LBS solution, location-based solution for advertising. After we develop the technology, we find we find that um, the LBS business it's not ramp up, but we have something that can monitoring um, the the cellular network in real time and really can operate it and managing in real time. So we decide to take this uh, um, idea and to solve a big problem to our service provider customers and to really create a technology solution. That after a few years, we was able to uh, reduce the drop calls by almost 20% to increase the network capacity. The bandwidth is a throughput for the end user by almost 15%. And this is allow us to succeed with more and more customers um, until, uh, you know, um, we had um, the offer from Cisco to acquire the, the company. Um, I think, you know, for me, it was it was everything was new for me. Okay, it was my first startup. I was young. I was only uh, 23 years old. Um, I just go out uh, outside from the army. Um, I learned a lot from the business side. I know about the technology, but I didn't have any experience on marketing, on sales, on um, finance, and, and everything that you need, all the tools that you need in order to succeed. And... Um, you know, the rest in history, um, of course, we had also some luck because you always need you need a good idea. You need to solve a real problem, a big problem, and you need some luck. Um, and the timing was very good for us because the iPhone is come up and, and we really helped to our customer to solve the data crunch and to improve the, the user experience. And, um, you know, after four and a half years of investment of six, $6 million, Cisco was uh, acquired us with uh, almost half a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. So everybody was happy. Yeah, I can imagine. And also you guys didn't raise much money. How much money did you guys raise? In initial days, we raised only $6 million one round. We was able to generate um, revenue from second year that helped us to grow the company. Yeah. Um, so this is was in Intusel days. So so how was the um, how was the process of uh, of building out the business? Like what did that look like? Walk us through it. First, it was we did a lot of work to detect a problem, a real challenges that exist today, and was going to grow in the next five years. After you understand about problem that it's part of trend and you are able to solve it with very unique solution, this is, I think, the one of the key to create a success company. The second, you must come in with business model that will be win-win for you, for you and for your customer. It can be reducing the cost per bit or creating a new revenue to increase the bottom-up. The, the bottom 
but in the end of the day you must focusing on combination between technology and business if you will solve only the technology and you're coming with unique business or if you will solve only the business without any technologies that will solve a real problem or real challenges or um, will you, will you have uh, some barrier of entries I think you will fail in order to create a big company and this is my personal experience and during this journey did you did you have a moment where you thought you guys were not gonna make it oh few times so um, yes and and you know we had a startup it's it's like a train you, you are up and down all the time all the time and it's a monthly base okay you have uh, you close a big uh, deal with customer uh, but you have a challenge to deliver the product and and you up and down all the time and all the time and you need to stick to your plan and to hope and to be optimist in order to succeed but you must to build your organization culture for those um, up and down, you know, up and down um, generally as part of the startup. It's very, very important. So as, as you're looking back, you know, on, on those up and down times, especially in the down times, what was that down time that you recall that it was probably the hardest out of this journey? Um, we find DriveNet as a four uh, founders. And um, as part of, after two years, um, we split. Two of the founders decide that they want to go outside of the company, and uh, you know, I maybe I learned, I young, but I learned this um, very um, very fast that everything in the life it's all about the people. So you must put yourself good people that much better than you that will um, that will together you will create one plus one equal three. And for me to separate um, from the other two founders was tough, tough deal. And this is almost, uh, you know, breaks the company. Um, but me and Rani, my partners, was, um, you know, we stick the plan and we was optimist. The technology was good. The idea was good. And, um, you know, the rest is history. And I'm so happy that we will, you know, we, we fight every day. And in the end of the day, we was very successful. Of course, and I guess out of that experience and and what you learn, what does now or or what does it look like or or how would you recommend going about structuring efficiently a relationship between other co-founders? You need to select uh, first any company that you build. You it's all about the people. You must select people that it's like your family. Okay, that. It's it's um, that each of you bring your is um, his own comfort zone. That together you you create a complementary solution, you a complementary picture. Okay, that you bringing I bringing technology, my partner bringing business. He know how he already run some um, um, company as CEO. He know how to raise money. So you must be able to. Um, to build a team of founder that it's a complementary to each other. This is one of the key. And you must, it, they must be like a, a good friend, like a family, okay? Because, and, and, and you must build it as not as a personal, um, it's not only a business, it's also personal. Between founders, everything, it's personal, even if it's, you're talking about business. So, 
if I will summarize it, bring a people that completing um, that will be com complementary for you, that will be able together to cover technology, sales and marketing, and um, you know uh, management and raising money. This is the top topic that I recommend you to bring around the table of the founders. Got it. And for example, in 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 this case. Obviously, you guys ended up having a, a very a very nice exit, so it was a, a positive outcome uh, and 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 a meaningful one, right? Because we're we're talking about almost half a billion uh, transactions, so it's it's really meaningful, very solid, with a really large player like like Cisco. So, can you walk us through how this deal happened uh, from beginning to end? Yes, first, don't play for exit strategy, okay? Um, I remember that when we start the January, we we had some um, uh, presentation, you know, investors presentation that one of the chapter was exit strategy, and we just deleted because you need to build a company that will be a solid that will have will solve a real problem, create generate revenue that you will grow based on your revenue or based on funding, but you must build a solid company that it's a good good business, and this is what we did. We just focused to get more customer, to bring more innovation, and to get more deals, and 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 to help our cust end customer to solve their problem. Um, and you know, Cisco tried to um, increase their uh, TAM, the total addressable market. They Cisco are today the king and leading all the IP, if it's switching or routing, um, also the Wi-Fi with Meraki, and they try to expand their business to um, the radio access network, to the RAN. And like Ericsson, like Nokia today, like Huawei, etc. And we was one of the key to go and to expand their uh, um, total addressable market to, to those runs. So um, Cisco built a team that was required a few companies and they contact with us. They, they really like our business model and the idea because we was selling a pure software and Cisco was in traditional that tried to move from hardware to software. We was focusing on the radio access network that is the same area that they want to grow. Um, we solved the problem in very unique um, um, idea that was what today people called AI. We developed AI for the um, radio access network. So we it's, it's fit to their strategy or to their need and it was complete. Uh, um, complementary for their uh, solution and the offering. Um, so in the beginning was, you know, nobody coming and say, write you a check. So they come and say, hey, we want to partner. Um, let's do something together. Then we had some mid discussions, a meeting, and then they told us, hey, we have strategy to go to the run. Um, what do we think about it? We give our feedback, etc. And then they say, okay, we want to buy the company. And of course, we start some negotiation. However, we did it on very secured level because we, we didn't want, because, you know, the negotiation can fail or can be succeed like we had. But if it was failed, you still need to run com the company and, and not to take the focus from the real business of customer and creating innovation and new products. So we did it with a very small group that my partner, Rani, was leading um, th this activity with Cisco, and I was continuing to focusing on um, new customer, new revenue with the rest of the management team. And, uh, you know, in the end of the day, we was able to agree about the terms. And uh, I was happy to join Cisco. For me, it was 
amazing January. Um, I, I told you in the beginning, I start to, I always said that my, my degree is coming from Cisco. I'm not forget where I coming from. And, um, I really appreciate the people, the company. It's part of, I always said that Cisco is my second family. And, um, I, I never got a chance to complete my computer and study computer and science study from um, the university. But I always said outside that I have a degree from Cisco. And we'll, we'll talk about the Cisco experience. But, but before that, who yeah. established contact with you from Cisco? Was that via email or via a phone call that you guys received for the acquisition to happen? No, it's, it was in the meeting. We met um, the SVP of the business unit of Cisco in one of the events. Okay. And then the CTO of the BU was contact with us. And um, then the BizDev. And then we setting up um, you know, a face-to-face -face meeting. Because at this point, what, what was really the uh, business model of Intusel so that people on the, that are listening you know, really understand it? And what, what was Cisco, uh, why was Cisco so attracted to, to, to what, especially you know, of that business model? What, what really got them attracted to, to that business model? So, so you know, in, in Intusel, we, sold, we was pure software company selling a perpetual license with high margin, solving a problem with a high mechanism um, of um, monitoring the network in real time, solving, detecting where you have a bottleneck or where you have a congestion, solving the congestion in real time, doing some load balancing in the network. So everything was dynamic, everything was automatic, everything was in op, you know, as a, um, with full feedback and closed loop. Uh, for Cisco, this is exactly what they will look for. This is what they look. They look for software. They look high margin. They look to go into adding to a new area. And they look to invest, uh, you know, they, they was looking to invest more and more uh, money in, in, in the mobility area. So it's, it's was, it was like one plus one equal three. Mm, very, very um, cool. And this is was, yeah. So then let make us be insiders here. Uh, Ido, what was that day where you sit down and you put a signature on the paper that would mean to sell your business for $475 million? Like walk us through <laughs> what happened, you know, right before that signature, you know, was on the paper. Uh, first, you know, I was exciting and, and I, it was in the mid of uh, February 2012. And up time, you know, until I was adding my signature to the um, agreements, I was sure that it can, it will never happen. Okay. And I was sure that um, it, it's, it's, um, we need to continue to focus on our main business, customers, um, product, and, and not wasting too much time with them. But in the same day, that I work in the morning and we met in, in, in uh, the state and we sang about the contract, I realized that it's real. Um, I, I, I grow in, um, the people that are familiar with Israel, I grow in, in, in kibbutz. My parents are farmers. We never had money. Okay. Uh, money was never my, my, my drive, my, you know, money never was my objective that I find the company. I always drive by, uh, challenges, new challenges to solve. Yeah, and for me it was a game changer. For me, it's for my family. Yeah. So then, so then, after the transaction closed, um, what was going through your mind then? 
Um, you're going to your bank, you see your account. Um, you, you have a good things and bad things that happened when you sold your own company with a lot of money. The good things that you don't have any financial problem, okay? And now you can take to your family and your people that you love. The bad things for me that everybody know about you. Everybody know your name. Everybody um, know exactly how much money you did. Everybody, um, people start looking on you as different, okay? As a rich people, not as a Edo, as, as a technology. And, and you know, it's, of course, I was excited. I was happy. Um, all the company was happy. I was so happy that I, I was, you know, that I was helped to my employees to um, succeed and to be a rich and to, you know, we never failed them. And it was a big success to all of us. So I was basically, I was happy more to other people than me. Um, But of course, for me, for my family, it was a big change and and I'm happy and I still appreciate to Cisco and to my friend in Cisco. Very cool. And you were talking about the bank account. So any indulgence, any, 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 anything that you were really excited that you finally were able to buy? <laughs> Not really. I didn't, uh, you know, um, after two years, I just bought apartment in Israel, but, but I didn't, I'm not the man that going and spending money on, on some fancy car or some, something like that. Um, I did, I did some, you know, some trip with my wife to, um, Europe, but, but not something special. Got it. Got it. So then you went into Cisco, uh, and this was a couple of years. So I would assume that this was part of the deal, the famous vesting and resting, so uh, you were talking about this being kind of like your your opportunity to finalize that degree that you never were able to really finalize. So when we're thinking about this being your your schooling years, right? What was your biggest lesson from working in in here? You are now in in such a large organization, and you were used to building and scaling your own thing. So so what was it like for you, and and what was that big lesson? It was wow. First, um, you know, vesting and resting, it's not working in my place. I'm, I'm young. I'm never rest. The people <laughs> that know me always told me, Edo, you need to sit down. You right. need to relax. I'm working 24 by 7. I'm workaholic and I like it. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, it was, it, it was wow. Um, I joined to the company, amazing people. And it was machine that generate $1 billion every week. It's a big machine. And for me, I, I was a little bit, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's um, um, the technology was exciting, but what was more exciting, it's the sales organization. The method that they're working with the channels that they have, 40,000 sales uh, uh, people that working with almost 200,000 of um, channels, uh, sales people, and they can really generate, they can sell everything. And it's a sales machine. I learned how to take an idea to build a product and to put the product in the sales force and to put everything behind and the support that they need in order that they will going and will, you know, go and sell it all over the world. So for me, it was a big wow. Um, I learned a lot. Um, and, and also to understand how big companies working. 
you know, the acquisition outside, bringing innovation outside, bringing more new talent outside, and leverage the uniqueness of the sales organizations that they have. For me, it was, you know, as I said before, it was the best school that I can ask. Yeah, and you 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 stayed here for a couple of years, and then you went at it again. So how did this happen, Ido? <laughs> yeah, so I, I spent in Cisco almost three years, um, and um, and and my my vesting time was two years. Okay, just to that you will know, and so I stayed more. And you know, when you're going outside again as an entrepreneur, and you know much better than me because you are you are. We are the same in the end of the day. Basically, I believe that if we'll, we'll check our DNA, we will find that we are more or less the same, I believe. Um, we drive by challenges, by change industry. Um, and my my drive, it was to go and change the network industry. Um, because this is my comfort zone. And, and when I looked on the compute industry, the storage industries that was changed dramatically by the hyperscale like Google, Facebook, Amazon, or by VMware, in the networking, it didn't happen, okay? In, in the compute, they run um, mainframe that moved to x86, to generic hardware, and then to um, virtualization. Um, in the compute, it's moved from a dedicated ASIC with storage that moved to commodity hardware of x86 with software-defined storage. In the networking, it's still hardware-based solution. Chassis, line card, software, and hardware is bundled. And, and I thought this is opportunity because the, the, the traffic is growing, the challenges, it's, it's um, to solve the demand of the traffic. Um, and, and our customers don't create new revenue, um, but they need to support on the growth of the traffic. And in order to be able to support it, you must convert the network from hardware to software. Yeah. And I decided to jump and to try my luck and now to go and to build a big company. So tell us about the founding team on this one. I mean, you obviously learned your lessons from the last time around. So uh, what were you looking on, on the people that were going to join you early on? Um, for, as you said, I start with selecting the team. So I put around myself people that much better than me, that together we can create one plus one equal three, each of them coming with um, his uniqueness, his knowledge, his expertise for a specific um, um, area, and and together, um, you know, I can uh, I bring people that el- will will have experience already had experience with big company uh, like Converse, like Elvarion, uh, like AT and T, like Cisco, uh, people that served on those uh, startup and also in the big corporate as executive. And, you know, this has really helped me to build the company in the right way, okay? To build a structure, to focus, uh, to put the focus of the company in the right area, um, to target a real market or big market that will have big time, total addressable market. And more important, what we, what, what the, my comfort zone, it's the technology, it's how to solve it with very unique and, and leverage our uniqueness to the business model. Um, so it's all about the people. I select very carefully the best team that I could ask. And how did you leverage the network in order to get the best team that you could ask? It's, um, it's a big story. You know, we, you try, for example, you try to find your, um, um, best, um, worldwide sales, uh, guy, 
and you try to find somebody that has some experience in startup and then some experience with um, you know some Nasdaq company because you need the mix of both of them. If you will bring somebody that was only in big corporate like Nasdaq, it will not I'm, I'm not sure he will survive the startup uh, January and I think I'm not sure that he understands what it's mean to join them to big to, to a small company that's growing very fast. Um, and you know, everybody in startup, when you build a company doing everything, okay, I'm, I can be the CEO, but I can be the product manager. And if we need, we, I will go and we'll sell to the customer. Okay. Yeah. Because basically you're doing whatever you need or whatever the company needs. Um, so I just start uh, scanning my network. I talk with investors. I talk with friends. I talk with peers that work with me in Cisco and, and in the end of the day, I, I just pick and choose. I, I had a lot of interviews to executive um, and, and you get a lot of feedback from people that work with them, but you're just working with your internal feeling um, and some recommendation from people that you trust. And when you're thinking about internal feeling and an absolute must in the people that, that you were looking to onboard, what was that absolute must? I think it will be Two things. First, it will be work team, people that will know uh, that will, everybody has a ego. However, if you can, you are able to control your ego and you understand that you are not here alone and you need to work as a work team. This is how you create one plus one equal three. So this is the first. Second, people that already did it, um, not first time, not second time, the third time that they already failed. They know about all the challenges, all the issue, and they, you know, um, can. They can learn you and guide you not to put to to fail where the area that they failed in the past. Yeah, got it. Very very interesting. So then, what what ended up being the business model here of of DriveNets? So so, in order to build a big company, I learned three things. First, solve a problem that really a real problem and big problem in big in the in industry that will go and will grow in the next five years. Not some of the, you know, future problems that you guessed, like, I don't know, autonomous car, that the market does still not exist. I'm sure that we'll have a lot of problems, but I think it's too opportunity. Solve a real problem that you're facing today that will going to grow in the next five years. Second, solve it with a software solution. Not hardware, no appliance, software solution, and if, it's can, if it can be run from centralized as a uh, cloud, do it. The third and the most important, verify that you, your business model, it's a subscription business model, that it's a win-win for you and for your customer. So what, I, what we did with DriveNet, first, we separate the hardware from software. We're selling only the software license, and we sell it this with subscription business model that it's a win-win and really change the cost structure to our customer. And I think this is, if you want to build a, a big company, you must have those three. Yeah, absolutely. So, so what is really the, um, the vision? Like what, what, in a world where the vision is fully realized of DriveNets, what, what does that world look like? My vision and mission is to really disrupt the, the, the network industry. It's to do what VMware and the Hyperscale did for compute and storage world, but to do it for the networking industry, for routing and switching. And I can tell you that from 
the feedback, the meetings that we have with our customers, the, the, the need is clear. They really must have a new technology that will help them to change the cost structure that generate a new revenue. And no, no doubt that we still have a lot of work to do. Um, but I think we are in the right direction. But as you know, much better than me, we will face a few bumps during the, the road. But as we told you before, it's all about the people. I have the best team to, to walk around it and to, to be able to be successful. Of course, and it's all about fastening the seatbelt correctly, Ido. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. So, so Ido, in this business, I mean, on, on the last one you raised under under ten million. On this one, you raised over a hundred million. Why? First, we build the company as a bootstrap. Okay, we 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 bring money from home to build the company, and um, we did it because we structure. Um, I, I'm I'm the CEO of that forcing my team to bring innovation in any area. If it's the sales cycle, if it's technology, of course, if it's a business model, you must be innovative in any area. So we build the company in a very innovative way. We bring our own money and we allocated almost 40% of the company to be um, in the ESOP. Um, it's it's an option company that we're targeting to bring uh, talent outside. This is allow us to bring the best talent um, from the industry. We was not able to compete with very high salaries that coming with, you know, big companies. However, we gave them a lot of share and options. And, and this is uh, um, because of the, the technology, the vision, and we allow them to get a lot of options. This is um, allow us to get the best talent that we can ask in Israel. Um, and we start working, you know, and we generate a revenue, we build the company. And when we add um, around, the round was targeting mostly to speed up uh, um, the sales and the operation organization. We already had the tens of million dollars of revenue before um, uh, the round, and um, and and you know when we did the round, it's really to maximize the market share and to leverage our the technology and the innovation to um, get more and more customer and more deployment. Um, so this is a really reason. Because this was, you, you guys have only done a Series A, right? Yeah, it's the first round. And what a Series A. How, how big was the Series A? Uh, it was uh, $120 million. Wow. It, it's, it has to be one of the biggest Series A's that at least I've heard this week. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So uh, really cool. And you got like great investors. So you got Bessemer, Pitango, and and a bunch of others. What what were you really looking after in in those guys? Because obviously at this point, you know, you you are a successful uh, founder that you've done it before, so people were probably throwing money at you. So so what was a requirement for you to let them in? First, it's as you mentioned, it's the best investors that I can ask, that I could ask, and and the reason that we we select. We select them, and of course they select us. And 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 don't get me wrong, I don't want to be arrogant or something like that. But we had a few options on the table, and we select them because the people. When you select investors, it's like you adding a new member to your family, and you must verify that this member know that, that you have good relationship, that know how the startup and the industry is working, that know how to deal with 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 um challenges that you're going to face 
And more important, it's not give you only the money, give you value behind the money. If it's to open the door um, to um, to a new customers, if it's to get a more talent, if it's to uh, guide you from their experience, uh, how to do it right, and and of course to support you if you need a next round. Okay, so in the end of the day. I decide to go with with those investors because the people behind them. And my experience with Bessemer that was my investors in Intucell as well. And now in 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 um in DriveNet, it's amazing. And if you have a chance to get money from Bessemer, don't think twice. Take the money. Very nice. Very nice. So then how big is the operation today of DriveNets, Ido? We are almost two hundred employees. Um, most of the employees in Israel, we have another office in uh, New Jersey and we're working in APAC and Europe as well. Very nice. Very nice. So for the uh, folks that are listening, you know, the um, there's one question that I typically ask uh, people that come on the show. And that is that knowing what you know now, I mean, obviously it has been a journey. This is your second time around. You know, you've had your fair amount of ups and your fair amount of downs. Uh, if you had the opportunity to go back in time and, and have a conversation with your younger self, Ido, what would be that one piece of business advice that you would give to that younger self, knowing what you know now, before launching a business? Good question. I think I will I will tell to myself, verify you're selecting the right people around you and verified that you solve a real problem and big problem. And in Intucell days, I failed with those two in the beginning. And luckily that I was able to improve it and, and to adjust on time. And don't get me wrong, the people that was together with me are in the beginning was very sharp, very good guy. But it's it's it didn't work. It just, we didn't was able to create one plus one equals three. So, like anything in the life, it's all about the people. Verified that you select the right people around you. And and that's very profound and and fully agree. Uh, one one follow up here that that I have for you, Ido, is you're talking about the problem and and perhaps the size of the problem. So how do you know if the problem is big enough? Try to get with your relationship and to get the feedback with potential customers. And the way that I did, I'm doing, I did it in DriveNet, I met a few CEOs, CTOs from big enterprise, big service provider, and I asked them the, the following question. Please let me know what are your three problems today that you believe that you're going to face them and they're going to increase in the next five years. And try to be the list of generic problem and then go and to check the industry what's the potential what's the total addressable market but you must verify and get the feedback from the market before you are really going and doing that in this way you you win in both way first you know that the problem are generic you know that it's a real problem and it's not one time that's all it's it's something that it's a trend it's going on and it's going to increase and the third one, once you will have solution, those guys will be your potential customers. Very nice. Very nice. So for the folks that are listening, Ido, what is the best way for them to reach out and say hi? Just send me email. I'm always happy to help without no return. 
my my father learned me that somebody gave me a, a lot of power in my hand to do good things. So whatever I can wo- work and help, let me just reach my, my email. Fantastic. And what is your email, Ido? Ido at drivenets.com. Fantastic. Easy. And are you on any uh, social media platform, Twitter, LinkedIn, or something like that? L- LinkedIn is good as well. You can reach me in LinkedIn. Wonderful. Well, Ido, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. Thank you very much, Alejandro. And uh, to everybody in the show, really good luck. And don't don't be shy. Contact with me. I will be happy to help you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.